Hello and welcome to Simon's Radio. You're listening to the Open Source Lisbon's podcast where you can find talks of prestigious speakers from the biggest open source event in Portugal. In today's episode, you'll hear about BBC's approach to open source and the challenges and opportunities of embracing open source development. A talk by David Buckhurst, Engineering Manager at BBC. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my name's David Buckhurst. I work here, which is um, was was the BBC's first kind of big site out of out of London. So a number of years back, uh, the BBC decided um, to, to kind of move its presence outside of outside of London and be be better representative across the whole UK. So, so this is actually Salford, which is um, a city next to Manchester, so in the north of England. Um, so I'm an engineering manager. I look after the teams that build our connected TV experiences, so, so basically our streaming, streaming platforms. So um, iPlayer is our main app, if you've, if you've come across it at all, but um, we, have, we have a number of applications. But, but this is kind of really becoming the... I suppose the next home of, of BBC content, and over the last few years, the, the usage for our, our streaming platforms has just has just rocketed. Um, yeah, so this is this is the floor I work on. So it's it's largely just televisions. I, I normally have loads of pictures of the floor, but they, it is just the same. TVs outnumber people a hundred to one. Um, there's kind of a real challenge around building television apps, which, which is kind of part of the story I've got here. Um, but the, the other thing I do is I run our open source advocacy group, which is, which is kind of a, a, a grassroots movement that um, you know, is, is really about making it easy for people to, to release their projects open source, to, to use open source uh, software, um, and, and kind of that interface between legal and, and developers that, that is never really that, that easy. Um, so, so the way I sort of became um, aware of the BBC as a technology company was um, back in about 2005 when I was, I was a Perl developer, I was, I was building web technologies, I was using open source software, and, and I came across, there was a module we were using, and, and well, this is built by the BBC. Why? And, and so I was, I, kind of was puzzled because I was like, well, why can't we release our software is open source, and like, the answer I got was, no, no, you can't, you can't just throw away IP like that. We've got to be really protective. We never know what bit of the company will be worth, worth money someday. So, but, but what it did for me is it kind of made me aware that the BBC was kind of more than just a, a broadcaster or, or a, a news media outlet. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's, there's kind of two reasons I joined the, the BBC. So one of them was this. Does anyone know what this is? This, was, this is the... BBC Micro, which was um, it was a computer that was kind of built for schools in the UK in the 80s, and, and the BBC had TV shows and magazines and basically taught kids to, to code. So there's kind of a lot of people uh, my age who who kind of had no choice but to go into the software industry. Um, but then the the other thing was, you know, BBC's um, open source contributions. So I knew I knew there was something there that that was of interest to me. Um, so, 10 years later, I joined the BBC, and, and the very first project I got to work on was, was this one, TAL, the TV application layer. 
And specifically, my remit was to take this internal project and, and open source it. So I was like, oh, this is, this is brilliant. This is, this is everything that I've, I've been looking for. Um, and I, I will talk a bit more about Tal in a minute, because there's quite an interesting story there. But um, one of the things that we've been doing recently is a bit of a refresh of our open source policies, because th there's been a number of changes in the BBC around, about you know, the way we're regulated. There's been massive changes in kind of the open source industry. And so it's, it's kind of ready for a bit of a refresh. And so um, there's quite a few things I want to talk about today, but there's kind of three parts to our policy. And so I wanted to um, uh, bring, bring those up in this talk. So, so really, the, the first part's about embracing open source. Um, so attitudes about open source, they, you know, they, they vary from department to department. It's, it's a big company. Um, I mean, there's parts of the BBC that have no idea what open source software is. Um, but, but like our, our business, so iPlayer, streaming media, um, applications, it's, you know, it's all built on open source. Um, so I found this, there was a, an, an internet, BBC internet blog, this was from 2006, that basically was saying, well, look, we already build everything out of open source software. So essentially, if you use the internet at all for your business, you use open source. So the kind of the, the ship has sailed in terms of, you know, actually questioning this is a, is, this is a strategy. So what, one thing I was trying to do recently was, was get a bit of a, a better idea of, like, just how dependent are we on open source? So I took, I, took, um, I took two code bases. So one was our TV client code base. So this is the actual application code that runs on a television. And I, and I took a server-side code base as well, just as a comparison. So the thing with the TV client code base is it's, it's largely stuff we've built ourselves. We don't really, you know, the TV JavaScript um, isn't really that conformant. And so we tend to avoid ever including any, any third-party libraries in there. But, um, so our TV client code base, it's got six dependencies. Um, actually, most of them are internal, but then, uh, and, and in fact, there's a dependency tree, so one of those has an external dependency. But then I was looking at our developer dependencies. So these are all the libraries and tools we use to actually build that code base, of which there are 14, and each of those have dependencies, and their dependencies have dependencies. And it actually gives you a total of 221 um, dependencies in that entire tree. So, like, that's, uh, we, you know, we're thinking about six code bases and actually 221 that we're dependent on. And the, the server side code is even, even crazier. So, um, 14 production dependencies, 33 in total, 12 development dependencies, and, you know, 302 total dependencies. So, across those projects, and there isn't actually an awful lot of overlap, there's about 500 different, um, different libraries. So, um, this kind of blind reliance on, on open source libraries is a bit of a, you know, it's something that scares us a little bit. I don't know if you come across the, the left pad incident where basically a, a module was, was removed from NPM, which is the, the kind of main repository for, for node modules, and then suddenly half the internet was unable to build and release their applications. So, so things like this have kind of really given us cause to like try and understand what, what do our dependencies look like? Um, so, so what we did was, and, and you know, there's, there's things you can buy and stuff, but we really wanted to empower our engineers to, to kind of understand the problem space. So, so we got a small team together for a quarter, and they, they built this, this thing, which, uh, Repo RT, it's the risk tracker. And, and basically, it pulls together sources of information, like 
you know, are there, are there vulnerabilities in the, in the code? You know, things that are exposed through GitHub. Um, and also things like um, libraries, are there, um, are, there, are there licenses that don't really fit with our policies, that kind of thing. So, so that, and that's been really useful because I think like the first time in, in, in the seven years I've been working there, there's, there's engineers talking about licenses, talking about um, you know the decisions they made it to, to include libraries. So, so it's really been quite a quite a, a, a shift. So, then I thought, well, if we're so dependent on all these libraries, well, who are the who are the developers that are actually building these things? So, so looking again at that that these code bases, the TV client. Uh, server side, you know, 228. Actually, this is the total number and 335 dependencies. So, what does that look like when you actually count all of the collaborators? So, fortunately, GitHub has some nice APIs that let you do that. Um, so, in fact, our TV client code base uh, has a dependency on 5,500 software engineers. Who don't work for us? So you know this this is like a ratio of, of of one to forty-two. So so for every employee we have working on working on these code bases, there's forty-two other people who, you know, we're, we're totally dependent on. And and it's even even crazier for some of the other code bases. So that server-side code base, that th there's seven thousand software engineers out there that are building libraries and things that you know we we just think about the eighteen people in that team that are doing that work. So, so I think that kind of brings me to the to the sort of second part of our our policy, which is like if, if we're really dependent on all these communities of developers, then we have to participate. Um, that, that there's this really good quote that Guy Martin said, director of Open at Autodesk. Um, but basically, if you're if you're relying on an open source project heavily for your product and you don't have a seat at that table in terms of leadership and strategy for that project, then your business is at risk. And I think you know for us, it's it's. That's kind of a very bleak outlook, but but certainly in terms of um, you know just understanding what's going on with these things, like like the like the you know the left shift problem, you just don't want to be surprised when some someone in the community makes a decision that you don't know about and it and it affects your business. So so one of the things that our, our new policy is really trying to do is is just empower engineers to feel like they can be part of the communities that that. Um, that we're dependent on. So, like the the idea of like if you had a code base in your company that you were totally dependent on, and yet no engineers knew anything about it or could touch it or or could build it, um, and in fact sometimes it might do its own thing. That you know that's a big risk that you you'd put people on. So, actually encouraging people to well, what what are the dependencies that that you're really dependent on? You know, go learn about those communities, learn about the roadmap. Um, the other thing that we've been trying to do as part of the policy, which is, is kind of the harder harder piece, really, is is because um, that those kind of contributing tends to be company to company, and that's when things start to get messy. You've got CLAs, you've got um, liability. You know, it, 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 it there's a that you, you need to get legal involved. It, it becomes more difficult, and in fact, you know, we find it way way easier to release a new open source project than we do to go and contribute with someone else's project. So. How, how do we make things like that easier? I think I think you need need to give some time um, to that. So then, yeah. So then, then the final part of our policy, and and as I say, I think we find this bit easier than than the participation is create and release your own your own um, code. 
so um, this is our open source website. So, um, I, I mean, I've been able to find about 15 years of, of the BBC contributing to uh, or releasing open source projects, um, and, and there's a whole bunch of information about them on here. But back to TAL, which is kind of where I started at the BBC. You know, it, it, so it was a, a library, the idea of which was to, to allow it to be really easy to build um, TV applications, because it, it was kind of a, a, a wild west. So when I started, we had 14 different code bases for, for iPlayer, for just one product on TV. And we wanted to build more apps, and so it was, it was pretty much unsustainable to have to do that for every single platform we wanted to approach. So, so what we decided to do was we, we wanted to make TV application development like web development, so really push a web standards approach. Um, so what we did was we came up with a certification scheme to say, look, this is, this is how an application should be built, and we're not, we're not just going to build anything for any platform anymore. And so TAL was kind of part of that. Um, you know, it was a code base that really um, was the example of how our applications needed to be built. Um, and then, you know, we didn't just release it for, you know, because we were being nice. We really wanted to challenge the industry and say, look, there's a, there's a better way of doing this. And then, you know, other companies could benefit. So, so that kind of that strategic reason for open source is, is kind of a, a good one. But um, so on our release form, we have like a number of, of different tick boxes that you can you can tick. So. Um, and I'll talk about some of these now, but um, so mention strategic, but kind of another another important part for us is is partnerships. So particularly our research and development department, they they work with a lot of open source projects. They work with other companies. Um, they they've got a website where you can you can find um, a lot more about that. But but that, you know open source is a really great way to partner with other other organisations. Uh, recruitment and retention is always a, always a really big one. Um, I mean, not just the fact that we're able to recruit people that can land and start building applications straight away because it's the same technology they've used elsewhere. Um, you know, developers want to write open source code. They want to be part of those those communities. And so we do, th like, occasionally we've, we've had a stall at FOSDEM, uh, talk at conferences like this one, and sort of just raise the profile of the BBC as a tech company. Um, so James Pierce, head of open source at Facebook, um, he, he has a really good quote that just captures the whole thing, really, which, which is, um, why, do, why do they release open source? Well, it means we build better software, we write better code, our engineers are able to work with more pride, and we're able to retain the world's best engineers because they, um, they know they can open source their work. Um, a kind of a big one for us is, is the sort of public remit of what we do. So there's, there's quite a few examples of things where um, releasing them makes them more valuable. So um, things like our, our um, accessibility standards. So, so that's all a kind of an openly published document. And we support that with tools that you can use to, to kind of check that your websites are conformant. Um, uh, Microbit's another great example. So. Um, this was an initiative that was, it was a couple of years back. Um, uh, BBC designed this, this kind of new, um, uh, new kind of microcomputer that um, was, was sent out to schools in the UK and was kind of a mirror of the, the, the 80s BBC micro program, which is where I sort of got my first interest into to software engineering. Uh, so yeah, uh, so contributing back. So this is, this is kind of the, the big one, I suppose. Um, and it's kind of set different from that second policy because um, 
you know, we, we build so much on top of other projects. And um, so, so, in fact, if you look at our website, most of what's there are things like testing tools and frameworks that are built on top of other testing tools and frameworks. So we've got things like Hive CI, Wraith, that are kind of glue that brings together a lot of different open source tools. And I think when you start to work in those um, ecosystems, then it feels just really natural to, to contribute everything that you, you build back because everyone skills up as a result. Um, so, so the final kind of final one, which is sort of the surprising one, is releasing your stuff open source actually helps with internal collaboration. Um, and we, we've, this has been a real puzzle for me for, for a number of years. So, um, and, and this was this was a genuine pull request, well, comment we got on an on an open source project. So I was trying to, I, I basically built a library. It was it was really useful. I was trying to get other teams in the BBC to to use it. And it wasn't until I actually open sourced it that everyone was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's let's pile on. So there's something about open sourcing a project that just takes away that that kind of ownership that that says, no, this is mine. Um, so we've got some other examples of that, like um, Gel is a really good one. So Gel is, is kind of our design language, um, sort of reusable design tools and patterns. And, and the designers basically made this a totally open source um, doc, uh, document project tool set um, because they just wanted to remove any excuse at all for, for any team to, to adopt it. And, and as a result, pretty much every part of the BBC uses, uses Gel. So, this, as I say, this this was something I I really struggled to get my head around. Like, why does you know what is it about open source that just makes collaboration you know come alive? Um, and so we started looking at like those principles of open source, um, things like you know having architectures that are participatory, you know that that are easy to contribute to, um, you know that it allows cross organizational collaboration in a very easy way. Uh, that it supports distributed development teams. You know, more and more um, teams are working remotely and are distributed. Um, that the documentation is kind of more formal and it's community-led. Tends to be more useful. Um, automated testing, continuous integration tends to be a big part of it. Um, contribution guidelines, like the, the whole idea of sort of driving inclusiveness in communities. Um, and, and a really important one that we've discovered is, is, is just about transparent decision-making, so really being open in where you're going with your project. Um, and, then, and then the following one, uh, the last one about autonomy and innovation. So like, as soon as you open up your code bases for more, um, you know, more diverse um, population, then the kind of innovation improves. So, so we, we were quite inspired by... Um, um, you know, people like the, the Apache Foundation, and, and we came across the Inner Source Commons as well, um, kind of a bit later on. But like, these are all kind of attempts to, you know, really drive um, collaboration in, in software communities. So, so what we did was was we kind of got all the team leaders in, in a room, and we just said, look, what are all the things that stop us behaving like we're you know a great open source collaborators? And, and so what we did was we came up with this this maturity model, which was which was kind of all the things that we thought you know if, if we did this stuff we'd we'd be a lot a lot better. So uh, and there were there were kind of these four parts to it. So um, the um, yeah so so inclusive communities, ease of adoption, uh, frictionless contribution. And transparent decision making. So, what what we did is, in a way, to kind of sell this, and it was, 
Um, we pulled together all the great examples from open source projects and from, from the internet um, to say, look, this is how we could do things better. So, um, so yeah, the, f the first one, the, the um, inclusive communities. So this was things like making our Slack channels global, um, having demos that were regular and, and friendly for remote, um, remote um, engineers, um, publishing a code of conduct for the, for the projects we had. Um, and we were quite inspired by this. If it's worth having a look if you've not seen it. The, the, the collective code construction contract, which, which is basically um, um, like a sort of super inclusive um, collaboration statement that, that basically encourages new committers to a project. So, uh, and I've, I've, I've seen teams who've been really inspired by this. And, and they, uh, they, a couple of weeks back, there was a team. They got a pull request from another team in the BBC. And it was terrible. Like, it, it, it clearly wasn't ever going to work. And they said, look, it's better to grow the community. So we'll, we'll pull it in and we'll fix it up. But you know, that was kind of more important to them than than you know, what would have happened before, which is they go, oh, man, that doesn't work. Get us, keep it away from our code base. So ad adoption. So, so this, this, is a, this is a tricky one. Um, the, um, the big problem, really, about, about adoption is, is, the, is the whole discoverability. So this is, this is what our BBC, so all of the BBC codes in one GitHub repository. Um, there's now, I mean, this is about three months out of date. There's now 12,000 repositories. So, Actually, discovering anyone's code in this in this mess is, is just impossible. So, so what what we did was we we started kind of pulling together like a catalogue of, of things that we'd call out. These are the these are the the ones that we that we want to collaborate on. Because even trying to pull this stuff out of GitHub was difficult. We had a um, we had a project that um, pretty much everyone used, but it looked totally stale because it essentially was finished, and they'd finished it about two years ago, and there wasn't really any new development that was needed. So, um, you know, th that kind of code discovery thing is a massive, massive issue still. I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, GitHub announced this, um, this code search net challenge. So, like, even GitHub acknowledged this is, this is a big problem that we, that we haven't, haven't solved yet. Um, yeah, so, so then um, frictionless contributions. So um, but this is really around having, um, you know, doing things like putting badges and, and have, making your CI jobs visible to all. So we had a big problem where there, there was a big project that we were trying to encourage collaboration on, and people just kept going, well, it tells me my tests are failing, but I, I can't see them. So, um, you know, really opening up um, your tools and, you know, so, so everything's visible um, and really kind of dialing up that, that frictionless um, uh, kind of collaboration style. Um, yeah, and then, and then the final, final one, um, transparent decision making. So, so we've been using things like architectural design decisions. Um, you know, we've, we've had open roadmaps. We've been, um, you know, you know, sharing postmortems when there's an issue. So, like, whatever you, you know, whenever you make a decision, just making sure that it's part of the code base. Um, we, we were quite inspired by by things like you, you see a lot of projects now. Like this is the the Unreal Engine. Um, they have like just a, a Trello board that anyone can can log on to. And there's you know banks, you know, Monzo using this, um, and it's just like a great way of like you know actually building up a community around your your sort of engineering decision making. Um, so, so what we were able to do is, is, is basically um, use a maturity model to kind of score up projects and get teams to almost, con um, you know, um, 
kind of uh, challenge each other to get a better score. So, so actually, that code base I was talking about at the, at the beginning, the TV client, was like our first project to ever get an A in our, in our guidelines. Um, but but what's, what's been really interesting is like as more teams in the BBC have become interested in inner source and you know, kind of collaboration models is the fact that you know, our department built one doesn't mean people will naturally sort of adopt it. So actually what we've been doing is, is trying to do it more, you know, every time a new group of people come in, go, well, what, what does good collaboration look like? And, and actually you pretty much end up with the same model every time. It's just that that kind of um, actually bringing a community of people together to talk about what they value seems to be the thing that, that unlocks that sort of power of sharing. So, so to quickly summarize, yeah, so, so um, yeah, so this is what our policy looks like. There's kind of three, you know, very, very connected parts to it. But what we've, what we've learned is that, um, like, the more you, you start to kind of embrace open source, that the more you need to be part of those communities. And, um, you know, and the more that you, you try and um, be a good open source citizen, the better you get at collaboration yourself. So, um, so thank you. Thanks very much. so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts so you never miss out any of our episodes. Once again, many thanks and see you next time. <laughs>